Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. All right, Brad, I'm a little nervous about today's episode. Oh, why? Well, I'm going to have to be talking about some accounting uh, metrics and you know, I'm not, I'm no accountant. You're, you're not a CPA? No, no. I would, oh. those guys, I respect, I respect the heck out of those folks, but, um, that, that's not me, but I'd I do lost think without CPAs. <laughs> yeah, me too. I think, I think the topic of today's show though is important enough that I am going to pretend to be a CPA today. So I hope that's okay. Yeah, no, that's perfectly fine. Cause I think, uh, you know, we're going to get into it, but it, as a acquisition person or a deal person, you have to understand the basics at, at a high level to even begin to analyze some of these deals, right? Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to talk about the dangers of mistaking EBITDA with cash flow. Um, you know, it's it's so tempting. I think when you're looking at a lot of these small businesses to buy, you look at the P and L, and you see this metric called EBITDA, which is earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. And you think, hey, this is how much cash I'm going to have to distribute at the end of the year to my investors. Yeah. So when somebody tells you, hey, we're making this much money, they're usually quoting the EBITDA, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, that's a great way of saying it. You know, you, you talk to a business owner and you ask her, uh, hey, you know, how much money are you guys making each year? She goes, oh, we have about a million dollars in EBITDA. And you're like, great. So if I spend, you know, five times EBITDA, uh, that's five million bucks to buy the business. And then I'll pay myself back a million bucks each year. So I'll make my money back in five years. But that's not always the case, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> okay, so um, let's let's get into it. So I think so. EBITDA, um, you know, it, you look at a P and L. You have basic uh, the profit and loss statement. And that's you have revenue at the top, and then you have expenses, and then at the bottom you have the income. And there's lots of different measures of income, but EBITDA is one of them. And that's one of the more common ones that people use in valuing businesses. And it's essentially the it's essentially the net income of the business. So the the revenue minus the expenses. But then you add back depreciation and amortization, and those are what are called non-cash expenses. And so that's why you you add them back to get to EBITDA because hey, there's not these aren't really cash expenses. These are depreciation and amortization. It's effectively where you've you've taken an expense in that calendar year for for uh, cash that's gone out the door in a previous calendar year, basically. Yeah, we non-cash items. Yeah, and so maybe we. Um, Maybe we do an example here. Yeah, I think that would be helpful. Let's say that you were going to buy a waste management business. Oh, great business. Great business. A Unsexy of, business. Love those. A bunch of garbage trucks. Um, you know, they, a bunch of drivers. You got a building. You house the garbage trucks. And so let's you know, let's say this is a smallish waste management business. And Do we have to be in the mob to be in the waste management business? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, and let's say that you're, the city is your customer, right? So you have your waste management business serving one city, and you know, that city pays you $2 million a year in revenue. And you look at a P&L, and they have a $1 million in expenses. And so you think, okay, $1 million in EBITDA, and that's how much money I'm going to have to distribute to my shareholders. Not true. Not so fast. Not so fast, right? Because let, we're going to take an extreme example here, but let's just say the city didn't pay you for a year. What? Right. And it's shocking. I mean, it's probably never going to happen. But extreme example, let's say this. Let's say the city just doesn't pay. Uh, and so, therefore, you actually had no cash coming in the door. But because you're doing what's called the, you know, you're doing proper accounting, which is accrual-based accounting, so you're going to recognize that revenue in a year. So it looks like you made $2 million, but you'd actually get $2 million in the door. So that's an extreme example of where, hey, you, you, you didn't make any money. You actually still incurred your $1 million in expenses. So you actually had negative $1 million in cash. Um so therefore, Oops. that's that's a situation where you'd be screwed. 
Yeah. So that's, I, that's the difference between real estate and private equity where we don't do, there's plenty of real estate firms where you're looking at a deal and you, it's cash accounting, right? So we only are counting what's coming in the door when we're looking at an income statement. Now there's, there's also bigger firms that and bigger properties where they do accrual accounting. But for the most part, smaller real estate deals are all going to be cash accounting for the income statement. Yeah. And that's a good point. So I think a lot of small businesses do do cash accounting because it, oftentimes it's simpler. Um, but plenty do accrual accounting as well. And that's where I think you can get into in trouble. So here. that's one of your first questions that when you get the, the profit and loss statement, you, you ask, Hey, is this a cash or accrual? Cause sometimes it doesn't always say at the top. That's no, that's an excellent point. And Thank I think, you. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't ask that question. They just sort of assume one or the other and that, that can get dangerous. Um, but it, you know, my, my point here is you, you, you got to figure out cash flow. You can't just look at the EBITDA and especially, and this is kind of an extreme example and the way to do that is you 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 basically look at the you get to the cash flows by comparing the balance sheets and the in the P and L and there's some accounting stuff you can do there. But there's a way to kind of resolve this and figure it out. But it just takes a little bit more work, and you can't do it from just looking at EBITDA. Okay, so that's one that's one example. Now there's another one too. Oh, good. Uh, if you think about what EBITDA is, right? It's earnings before interest, depreciation, and amortization. Um, you forgot taxes. Yeah, taxes. Right. Don't forget taxes. Um, essentially that's sort of, uh, it's, it's banking on the fact that a business owner is properly allocating expenses to capital expenses versus operating expenses. Okay. What does that mean? So operating expense is an expense that you would incur sort of in the normal course of doing business and that it, it uh, you know, it sort of goes into, uh, generating revenue in the, in the calendar period in which you're, in which you're evaluating. So maybe that year. Versus a capital expense is more like you're buying like a, a piece, a big piece of equipment that has a useful life for longer than a year. Maybe you're buying a building, um, and that and those are uh, those actually don't show up in the PL, right? So if you have a capital expense that shows up in the balance sheet, and a an operating expense shows up on the PL. Now, here's where you can get into trouble, right? Is what if a business owner is putting something in the capital expenses bucket that should be an operating expense? That's not good. <laughs> <laughs> what happens? Well, essentially what happens is that, that it looks like it's, it's not going to hit the P&L, right? Because it's, put a, it's, a, it's a capital expense, so it shows up in the balance sheet. The, the, the expense is not on the P&L, so it looks like earnings are higher than they really are, right? But it's, and, but it's artificial, right? It's actually not true. It really should have been an operating expense. And I think this was, like, this was one of those uh, things that happened to uh, all those accounting scandals in the early 2000s. Yeah, this is a pretty common way to manipulate the the income statement right because uh it, when you're playing around with capitalizing expenses if you're not going by the tax code and by gap accounting gap accounting standards you can get into some trouble so yeah worldcom was the biggest uh, i think criminal case in regards to playing around with these capital items yeah so the, just artificially jacking up ebitda right so again i mean going back to the the whole point here is if you just look at ebitda you can have an artificial view of the business and think you're generating more cash than you are. The other, I guess the other place where the depreciation and amortization can kind of get you into trouble is that let's say they are properly allocating an expense as a capital expense, but instead of depreciating it over the actual useful life of, you know, let's say it's a, let's say it's a garbage truck for a garbage business and the, the useful life is actually five years. And so really they should be depreciating that uh, one fifth every year. Let's just say that, Hey, actually these um, they've been depreciating only one tenth. Right. And so these things actually, they think they're, they're claiming they last 10 years and really they last five years. So effectively what that means is that 
you're going to be having to incur a lot more expenses than you otherwise would have thought just just from looking at the P&L. Yeah, this is pretty common where people are, you basically are making something that is pretty recurring and making it look like it's not recurring at all, right? By doing this. Yeah. Like, Hey, we only need to buy garbage trucks once every 10 years. Like, no, actually you need to buy them once every five years. And that's going to completely screw up my entire distribution model of my investors. Yeah. And I see this in real estate most often when uh, people are capitalizing major repairs that they're doing to a property that Yes, you can make the argument if you look historically that they only did it once in every you know five years or ten years, sure. But lots of times I see that it's happening every year, where they're they're replacing a large section of infrastructure, uh, perhaps it's pipes, uh, water pipes for the property, and they're mm-hmm. doing it every year, and it's fifty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, what's going on here? You didn't do the whole you know building every year. Well, we had to do this section, and then next year we had to do this section. Well, obviously the the water pipes are not uh, in good shape, and you might be doing that, you know, ongoing every year after you buy it. Yeah, and it's and that's fine as long as that's obvious up front. But the problem is it's not obvious, right? Because no. the guy's saying, "Hey, we're spending fifty thousand bucks, but it's going to last five years, so therefore we're going to depreciate ten thousand a year, right?" And you think you think the ten thousand is accurate? Yeah, and but here's. Exactly. And a lot of people don't, you know, they're buying real estate off of income statement because it's cash accounting and they don't even ask to look at, you know, a balance sheet or don't understand that that could even possibly be happening in the background if they're not digging through bank statements and understanding that, hey, not every expense in this business is being, you know, properly expensed through the income statements going straight to the balance sheet. Yeah. And so what, how do you get around this? Um, or how do you sort of resolve this potential conflict is you, you got to look at the cash flow statement. And if, you know, if the business owner can't give you a cash flow statement, then you can, you can sort of derive a cash flow statement from the P&L and the balance sheets. And, and that's it, pretty common, right? I imagine not every business has, you know, three, you know, the you know, balance sheet, income statement, and cash flow statement. Some of them probably only have an income statement. Yeah, it's funny because you'd think this accounting software out there now, everyone's got it and you just hit a couple of buttons. But I've been surprised at how many times I've asked for something as simple as a cash flow statement. They're like, uh... You know, I, I don't know. Like, I'm sure our accounting system can do it. I don't know how to do it. I've never done it. You know, Marge is on vacation for the next six months. <laughs> so it's like, you well, know. Yeah, Marge could probably do it. But the problem is, is when these small businesses, they're trying to, you know, keep be frugal and keep things, you know, expenses down. And so if they don't have a true accountant that is doing the books and just somebody, you know, the Marge is doing uh, QuickBooks, right? Because it's pretty easy to do cash-based accounting for the P&L. If you don't have a real accountant doing this and truing it up every year, you're not going to have legit books from a balance sheet and cash flow standpoint. Yeah, and that and that's that happens too. And so then in that situation, I think the probably the best thing to do is you go straight to the source, right? You get the actual transaction level detail out of the accounting system, sort of every transaction that the the business incurs over the year. Yeah, the general ledger. Yeah, the general ledger, and then you you hire basically hire a CPA to kind of go through that and rebuild or recreate the books. Yeah, I've, I've done that before. It is painful. So I would definitely suggest uh, hiring, outsourcing that because uh, that's probably not the best use of your time. But if you're going to, if you want to learn, you pr- maybe do it in the first one. Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. I think we'll, at some point we'll do a quality of earnings uh, podcast too, or a show where we, we get into a little bit more detail on our, around what the CPAs actually do when they, when they sort of verify the earnings of a business like this. But, um, Maybe. Should we warn the people that don't care about this accounting stuff <laughs> yeah. not to listen to that one? Yeah, just look at the title. If it says anything about quality of earnings, you can skip that one. But you know what? We'll make let's make that one an interview, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hire someone who knows a lot more than we do. Yeah. 
Um, okay, cool. So yeah, I think bottom line there is be very careful when you're evaluating the, a small business and you're just looking at EBITDA. That does not mean that that's how much cash that business is going to throw off each year. I think that's the key point here. You really do have to you have to get to the cash flow statement somehow, um, or you're you're going to be in trouble and you're gonna you're going to be generating a lot less cash potentially than you think you are. So, are there any type of businesses in particular that you really want to be careful about? When looking at this, yeah, I, it seems like the asset-heavy businesses are probably the most are, are the ones where it's most um, susceptible to gaming the system here. So, like, you know, manufacturing businesses, uh, businesses that have to you know build you know buy a lot of equipment, uh, you know, a crane you know crane rental business. If we looked at those, if you're buying a lot of sort of heavy equipment to run, operate your business, anything you're anything you're spending a lot of money on sort of fixed assets or capital expenditures. Just be uh, be especially careful about those those situations. And is it a red flag if you see kind of year over year their fixed assets just keep growing and growing and growing? I don't think that's in and of itself a red flag, assuming their revenue is growing commensurately. But yeah, if the if the <laughs> revenue is yeah. static and the fixed assets just keep going, yeah, that roof. that would concern me. Yeah, if they're if the business is flat, but they keep, they have to keep buying more stuff, yeah, I'd be a little bit nervous about what's going on there. All right. Well, I feel like I can uh, dodge some bullets now. Yeah. Good luck out there dodging some bullets when you're evaluating businesses. And if you're just looking at EBITDA, be careful. Make sure you get to those cash flow statements to really see how much cash the business is throwing off. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.